0: you're listening to the eye of the storm i'm your host Taye sharad If you decide to pursue your degree in higher education, one of the first classes that you'll take is the history of higher education. And one of the first phrases that you'll learn in that course is a Latin phrase called in local parentis. And basically what this means was administrators at colleges and universities were essentially determining what the rules would be and you as a student had a choice to follow those rules or get out. As times began to change and civil rights were at the forefront of American society, Colleges were forced to reevaluate what this looks like on college campuses. So for example, in the landmark case of Dixon versus Alabama, the courts ruled that institutions of higher learning had to give students due process when adjudicating conduct cases. As a result, a school couldn't just kick you out without allowing for a fair process in which students were formally notified of the alleged policy violation, given a chance to present their case, and appeal a decision that they didn't think was fair. Similar to changes in student conduct, colleges overall had to really rethink what their role was in society and how they were going to treat students moving forward. It was no longer the philosophy of it's our way or the highway. Rather, we began to shift to seeing our students as young adults who need guidance, mentorship, and a bit of a safety net to catch them when they fall. The second thing you'll learn when you pursue a degree in higher education is Arthur Chickering's Seven Vectors of College Student Development. Now, I don't want to bore you with the nitty gritty details of what that entails, um, but I want to give you a quick overview of this seven part framework so that you have an understanding of how we approach dealing with the students in our communities. We acknowledge that our students are building intellectual and interpersonal competence and that they're learning to critically think through their challenges and deal with adverse situations in a way to find a way to cope in a healthy manner. We understand that our students are learning how to constructively manage their emotions. We are understanding of the fact that they are coming into their own as independent adults while also helping them learn and understand that they're part of a larger whole And their actions can impact other people and have reaching effects to those around them, whether they intended to or not. We understand that they are learning to build and maintain complex relationships with people who are culturally similar as well as different from themselves. They are learning to establish their own identities and be comfortable in their own skin and live authentically as who they truly are. They're exploring what they're truly passionate about, and they're thinking about how those passions might lead to their ultimate vocation and what they choose to do with their lives. And finally, we understand that they're developing an internal and moral compass that is guided by their core principles and values that will impact how they choose to live their lives. Now, of course our students have been doing some of this work while they're in high school. However, college poses a different set of challenges as well as more autonomy so that students have a chance to navigate Through life situations and make meaningful decisions for themselves and as professionals in residence life as well as on a larger scale in student affairs it's our job to help students as they navigate these challenging times in their life in order to demonstrate what this looks like i'm going to give you a couple common examples of things that higher ed professionals particularly those in student affairs see on a regular basis one of the things that comes up all the time is suicidal ideation Many of our students are suffering from depression that is so intense, they truly begin to consider suicide. And as some of the field say, our students contemplate suicide when they feel like they really don't have any other options to pursue that will lead them to a different outcome and will alleviate the emotional and mental pain that they're feeling. I have found in my work that this tends to stem from a number of different sources on a regular basis. Either it has something to do with their family, there's problems at home. They are worried about financial stress, usually about how they're going to continue to pay for college if that's something they're struggling with. They are struggling with academic burnout and professionalism um, and really upset about not being perfect in all of their academic courses. And last but certainly not least, problems with interpersonal relationships, especially those of a romantic nature. Now, in my experience, it's rare that a student will attempt or complete a suicide without warning signs having been present. And when I'm working with students, what I really look for is a change in demeanor or a change in behavior that seems completely out of line with who they are on a normal basis and what their regular personality is. So, for example, if I've been working all year with the student who tends to be more quiet and reserved and halfway through the second semester, I notice that this student is super hyperactive and upbeat. I hear that they're doing a lot of partying and they're going out a lot. Maybe they're doing drugs or things along those lines. I'm going to start to wonder what's going on with that student and if they're okay. And some people will look at that and say, well, that's just normal college activity. All college students do that. When that's not necessarily true. Not all college students are out there living their best life partying it up. Um, Some students really take their academics seriously. And so when I see students make those large swings to one direction or another, it gives me pause and cause for concern. Oftentimes when we're talking about this type of thing, we look for the behavior of sadness and people feeling like they don't want to be engaged in activities that they were once engaged in. And don't get me wrong, that can certainly be a warning sign, but it's not the only warning sign. Again, I look for overall difference in behavior in a student that seems to be out of touch with who they are on a regular basis. And if I see this, I may approach that student and ask them how they're doing um, and let them know that I'm a little bit concerned about them, given what I've seen or what I've heard over the past couple of weeks. Um, I try really hard not to push or pry um, and get them to tell me something that they're not ready to share, but if they tend to be a little more tight-lipped, I do let them know that if they do want to talk about anything, I'm here to listen if they need it. In Res Life specifically, if you have a student who is a resident who you're concerned about, you may ask your RA who's on that floor to keep their ear to the ground um, and to make sure that they're keeping an eye on that person. Um, Again, this is a team effort and a lot of the times the RAs are really the ones that if something's wrong, they're usually going to be the ones who catch it first um, because other people on the floor might say something to them and then they can bring that to your attention so you can do something about it if need be. Intimacy and relationships is the other thing that is very common in higher education that tends to cause challenges for students as they're working through these seven vectors of development. Um, And we see challenges in terms of young women who feel as though they've been tossed aside and used by young men who are no longer interested in being committed to one person. On the flip side, I have seen where young men struggle with rejection um, and they approach a young woman who they want to engage in a romantic relationship with and she says no and he really struggles with that. Um, As they go through these trials and tribulations it does take a harrowing toll on them um, mentally and emotionally and at that point what they need us to do is to be there just to help them and support them and really listen most of the times is what they're looking for. I let them know that no matter what happens no one person determines their value no one rejection or let down determines their worth. And that even though what they're going through is painful right now, they will survive it. There have been plenty of people who have been through it before um, and they have come out on the other side just to let them know that they aren't alone and feeling what they have felt um, and what they're going through. Sometimes these situations with relationships take an even darker turn and you start to deal with domestic violence and things like stalking. And I've worked with several young women over the years who didn't feel safe um, after they've split with a partner and their partner starts to show up in random places that they don't expect them to um, and they're worried about their safety. And so I've worked with those students to develop a safety plan, provide them with additional resources, and again, give them the emotional support that they need to get through it. Now, as I've said at different points in this podcast, what our students are dealing with on campus are not very different from what people in the general public are dealing with. Um, Although they aren't college students, people are evolving and learning how to grapple with intense emotions such as anger and sadness. Um, They are looking to create and maintain complex relationships both at home and at work with people who are similar and different from themselves. This list goes on and on. And as police officers get called to scenes including domestic violence or suicidal ideation or overintoxication, etc., they are dealing with a lot of the same things that residence life professional staff deal with every day as well as police officers who work on a deputized college campus. Oftentimes, depending on what the situation is, the police officers on campus and the professional staff are working in tandem to deal with the situations that arise. The difference here, and it is a big difference, is that when police on a college campus are called to respond to an incident, they usually don't end up using excessive force. In fact, in my time, I've rarely seen where a police officer uses any force in dealing with the student, let alone excessive force, even if the student is really upset or belligerent. Now, why is that? Because they know that short of a student running around with a machete or an AK-47, they are going to be hard-pressed to explain why they put their hands on a student in the first place. No parent sends their kid to college expecting that they're going to be manhandled by the same people who are supposed to protect them. God forbid that a college student dies on campus and a president has to call their parents and explain why they're sending their child home in a body bag. It just does not work that way. And everybody knows it. And if something that drastic were to happen, the officer who killed the student, their job is definitely done for the police chief is likely not far behind and something that high profile It wouldn't be shocking to see a resignation from a president if something like that happened. The culture at institutions of higher learning dictate that any use of force, but especially an excessive use of force, is an absolute last resort to resolve any conflict, point blank, period. I believe that we in higher education have established a balance that allows for traditional law enforcement to play a supporting role to those professionals who are better equipped to work with students facing the challenges that I've described thus far. Student affairs professionals have established a rapport with their campus police. So there's an understanding between the two entities on campus that student safety and learning is the priority, not the inclination to be punitive. They know that we are well-educated and trained and they trust our judgment and vice versa. We know that if a situation really calls for law enforcement to have to take over and do their job, we will let them do that, knowing that they're going to still operate in a professional manner that's still student-centered. This is the type of community engagement that we should expect in our larger communities as a whole. And I think with the right values in place and a little bit of courage by some folks in different communities to make these changes happen, communities all across the countries can get to this place. This is not rocket science and there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Colleges and universities have been managing these relationships and have found this balance and we've been doing this for years. If we are able to do it, your communities can accomplish this as well.